welcome to this week's episode of the Freewheeling Podcast. This week, Matt Deneve caught up with Sarah Gigante, one of Australia's rising stars, but I'll let him introduce the podcast. I just wanted to jump on here and say that this episode is brought to you by Zwift. Zwift keeps adding new routes and roads to their already expansive 11 immersive worlds. You can dive into the fun and discover new adventures on Zwift. There's the first ever world that they introduced when they introduced Zwift in the very beginning, Watopia. There's Richmond, London, New York, Innsbruck, Italy, Yorkshire, Crit City, McCurry Islands, France, and Paris. There's a ton of roads to explore in Zwift. Every single one of these worlds has multiple segments or routes that you can try to accomplish. Watopia itself has like 74 routes, while a lot of the other ones have less. There's the world's courses from Yorkshire, Richmond, and Innsbruck. You can ride the Champs-Élysées in Paris and so much more. And they just keep adding more. They've just added more routes to the Macquarie Islands, which is really exciting. That's personally my favorite world to ride on. It's endless. The possibilities are endless. Thank you so much to Zwift for sponsoring this podcast and hopefully see you out on the virtual roads. Hello and welcome to the Freewheeling Podcast. My name is Matt Deneef and today I'm joined by Sarah Gigante. Uh, For those of you that aren't familiar, Sarah is one of the rising stars of Australian cycling and indeed of road cycling more generally. At 22 years old, she's already a former Australian road champion and a two-time Aussie TT champion. And this year, she's just completed her first season in the World Tour with Movistar. The last few years have been pretty badly disrupted for Sarah with injury and illness, particularly a heart scare after last year's Tokyo Olympics that forced her away from racing for six months. Sitting in a cafe in in eastern Melbourne this afternoon, Sarah and I chatted about her recovery from that heart scare. We talked about her first pro victory earlier this season and a whole lot more besides. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. Well, Sarah, thank you for your time, first of all. How's uh, how's the off-season treating you so far? Yeah, it's been really nice to be back home again, um, seeing my friends again, being with my mum and my cat, yeah, little things like that. When did the uh, when did the off-season start for you? Because you got back to Australia recently, right? Yeah, it was earlier than planned. Actually, my team camp is on right now. I saw Annemiek's Instagram story uh, yesterday of our team manager Sebastian with red hair so they dyed his hair red to celebrate winning the Vuelta so I'm a bit sad I came home before that but it was yeah, it's been nice to spend the off season here instead. Yeah so your last race finished uh, in mid-August I think the Tour of Scandinavia was that the plan always to finish up the season at that point or were you hoping to do some more racing after that? I was hoping to do Ardesh and Romandie, definitely. I was super excited. I was watching the Romandie finish up that, um, yeah, that massive mountain where Ashley won, and it looked so, so good. But, yeah, I had a bit of a niggle with my leg, so I had to deal with that and ended up finishing the season so I could come back. Yeah. So when did you get back to Australia then? Uh, in the middle of the World's Week, so... I, I watched the start of the week when Grace Brown won silver. I watched that in my apartment in Girona and then I was watching the rest in Melbourne. Yeah. So what does off-season look like for you in terms of riding? you still getting out on the bike. Did you have a period there where you didn't ride at all? Uh, well, I, I've never really had 
planned off season just because I end up getting like injured or something. I have my off season that way. Um, this time, yeah, with my leg, I I've had quite a lot of time off the back. I'm yeah riding, uh, I guess base case now and doing a lot of university. So at least it, it fits in well with the timing. I have exams coming up, so. This morning I was studying all the the grammar to do with Walpuri, which is an Australian Indigenous language. So I'm learning about the, how possession works in different languages, and it's so so interesting. I I can't believe how much I love it. It's really weird. Like, <laughs> so you're great. studying linguistics and geography, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, how long have you been studying that for, and where are you up to in the course now? Well, I started off doing science. I'm at Uni Melbourne. And I, I did like the science degree. I was doing maths and computer science, but then I did a subject in linguistics as a breadth and I just loved it so much. As you can tell, I just, like, I'm trying to work out how I can fit in, like, a PhD in, like, remote Australia <laughs> so I can do wow. what these people do. Like, they, they just spend time in the community and then they try and write a, basically a book about how the language works because a lot of them haven't been written down before. So it, it's really interesting, but maybe I'll have to wait like a few decades until there's a nice gravel race and then I can <laughs> time it well with that. <laughs> How do you go combining study and the racing? It feels like it must be a, a real juggle to get those things to work together. It's not too bad, especially the last couple of years um, with the university becoming, I guess, more adaptable to online learning. It's been really good. Unfortunately, it's definitely heading a little bit more back to how it was at least at my uni but um yeah I mean my tutors and the that all the staff have been wonderful and we also have Chris Lynch at Oz Cycling has been really helpful like I remember last year I kind of messed up like the time zone stuff when I had to enter my address so I put my address was Melbourne but then I moved to Girona and then my exams were meant to be like 2 a.m. and I was like, I have the Olympics in three weeks. Can we please move them? And they're like, no, it's too late. So then um, I was able to move them uh, till after the Olympics. So that was a real relief because it would have been not ideal. <laughs> so when's your course expected to finish up based on the workload you're doing at the moment? Well, I have to look into the cross-crediting my science degree. So yeah, I mean, I'm the kind of person that is like, okay, what do I have to do like today or maybe tomorrow? So yeah, I'll finish this semester. I don't have much left at all, but I just have to work out how to move the calculus that I did. Because wow. I don't want to do calculus for nothing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so you're mentioning your, your leg injury there. Do you have an idea of what that was or how that came about or what the, the significance of that is? Oh, no, it wasn't too bad. It was just a bit of a bother that I had to... I miss a couple of races, but yeah. And obviously, um, just going back a bit, last year you had a, a really tough year with a you know, crash at Flesh Wallon and then obviously the heart stuff and all of that. And it wasn't until March of this year, I'm pretty sure, that you did your first pro race again. Can you talk a bit about that period of being off the bike and then finally getting back to race in March, what that was like? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've aged maybe 200 years since last July. Like I look back and I'm like, oh, you didn't know what was coming. But I mean, in some ways it, it was like, there was definitely been positives. Like I don't think I've ever, I, I already didn't complain about training. I love training. I love riding my bike. I love racing. But like 
<laughs> you just like, I don't know. If you have a really long ride and you're super tired and it's like raining, I, I've never been so appreciative of that, you know, just like the fact that I'm healthy enough to go out and do it. And I was just so keen, so excited for everything. And yeah, any problems seemed quite minor in comparison, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so it took till March for you to race again. What was it like pinning a number back on for the first time and actually getting back into the racing? Yeah, I mean, it was really, it was a nice feeling again. Like, I was pretty nervous because it was also my first time racing with my new team, Mobby Star. So, um, I do remember at Binder. So, I did Binder last year and then I did it this year and it was the first time I've done a race twice, a professional race, like, coming back to it. So, I was like, oh, I know the course, things like that. So, I felt, you know, pretty pretty like an expert for the first time not an expert but you know not a complete newbie um and I remember last year I, I loved the course like all the clients I was like oh so good I, I just wish they were a bit harder a bit longer but like I was having so much fun and then this time every time we were coming up to a hill I'm like oh no a hill's coming help so that was definitely an experience like I was starting to like dread the hills rather than uh, love them but I mean that's pretty normal after so long off and I got my climbing back which is good yeah as you said it was your first year with Movistar this season what was your role with the team this year what did they say to you at the start of the year they wanted from you and, and how do you think you went in that um, I guess the the goal was to learn as much as possible because I have three years at Movistar luckily so I this year yeah learning and trying to race more race days which unfortunately I did race more race days which wasn't hard because I've hardly raced any race days the last two years but um yeah definitely not as many race days as we wanted but I mean what can you do like and I still had a lot of a lot of experience um compared to the past and yeah getting to do races like Andalusia where we like that was a really really good experience like working so well together as a team and coming away with pretty much every win there with Elenis and Delana like yeah that was that was probably my favorite week of the year or even team camp in January because I hadn't been able to go full gas since like literally the time trial in Tokyo in uh, July yeah. was the Some months right oh yeah yeah <laughs> like the end of July and then um, I, I had started riding again, but like 100 beats per minute, 110, 120, 150. And I think I was up to 150 when I went to camp. But then in camp, that was when I was allowed to do my first max effort. We just went and did VO2 max testing. So um, it was painful, but it just, I felt so happy. I felt so normal again. And I was like, my eyes were like so open with what Movistar was like being on such a big world to a team and even like being in the bus <laughs> things like that that was yeah amazing and all my teammates were so nice and I was just so excited were you told by the team that you'd spend most of this year riding for others is that is that pretty much the goal just riding as a domestic in most races yeah and it, I, like especially with Annemiek and Bluton on the team like I think that's pretty normal and that's how it works like I, that's what I want to do like learn as much as possible and I still need to become a whole lot stronger and like more experienced first so yeah I was just really excited to do what I could to help yeah but then what about this the race in May you got your first European victory 
in one of the Spanish one-day races. Was that a day that you went into with the chance to ride for yourself or how did that unfold for you on that day? Yeah, I mean, Movistar is really great. We have the roles, but then sometimes they're quite flexible. So, I mean, in that race, my goal or my role was to attack really, really early and be like part of the, yeah, it was called Gigi's move. So either go for the early break and then my teammates could rest behind. Although it's not really resting when the course had like 3,000 meters of climbing, which was yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was to go early and then hopefully I'd be able to last longer into the race that way. And um, But then I couldn't get away. My teammates were really nice. Um, a couple of them were trying to do dummy attacks to help me, but I, I was trying as hard as I could and I couldn't get away. Like everyone was jumping on, but then I managed to survive deep into the race anyway. And then I could get away later once it was smaller, which was, yeah, I mean, even now, it just makes me smile because it was such yeah. a massive surprise. How did you get away? How far from the finish was that and what, what was the moment like? It was about 30 kilometres to go. We were maybe a group of seven, I'd say, and we'd come over a lot of climbs and a lot of descents together and I was like, oh, my God, I'm, like, I'm still here. This is crazy. Like, I was really surprised that I was in this small group and I had Fowler um, and there were three bike exchange women there, I think. And then the rest were individuals. So I was like, wow, this is such a great situation. And Paola was climbing really, really well. And I was just like pretty cooked, but excited. And then, yeah, I was just happy. We, we got over the climb, we got down the descent. I was still there. And then I was like, phew, we have like a little valley, you know, like we can have a break for 10 kilometers because I'm tired. Yeah. And I'd already had uh, two back changes. So I was just like, phew, okay. Time to reset, time to... And then um, Fowler and the DS, Jorge, uh, they were both like, okay, Sarah, go now. So uh, so I think maybe it was Veronica Ewers had just done a... I'm not sure who it was, but someone had just done like a, a little attack off the front. They were like 20 metres off the front and then we were catching them and they're like both, they're both like, okay, vamos. And I was like, oh, are you kidding? Like, I'm so dead. But I just... Yeah, obviously had to go and I couldn't believe it. Like I actually had a gap. That was the weirdest thing. I was like, oh, I've never actually been out the front by myself before in a European race. And then I was keeping the gap, which was even cooler. And then that, that's it. It was just 30 Ks of time trialing. And yeah, to start with, I didn't think that it was going to last to the line. But of course, I have to go full gas. And then I started to think maybe it's possible. And then the last, the last like descent, maybe was five kilometers from the line, and Jorge and Sebastian in the car behind, they were starting to say, "Okay, like, don't go so full gas. Like, it's, it's smarter to actually go a bit more carefully so you don't crash and throw away the win." But I was just going like, I think that was the fastest descent I've ever done. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I actually might win! And um, yeah, I only started to believe it was like 500 meters. I was like, oh, well, this is crazy. It was just like nationals in 2019. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you end up winning by something like four minutes as well or something? There's some huge gap, wasn't there, by the line? Yeah, which was the reason why it was so funny that I just would not listen to Jorge <laughs> and Sebastian. They're like, Sarah, soak it up. Like, you're about to win your first race. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to go. <laughs> but then, yeah, the last 
the last 300 meters were really special. There's a great video of you at the finish line, just bursting into tears, obviously overcome with the, the joy of the moment. Can you, can you tell me what that was like winning that race, crossing the line? Yeah, that video is a little bit embarrassing, but <laughs> great. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever burst into tears out of happiness like that before. Like I was, yeah, it's funny to see how, yeah, overcome with emotion I was, but I think it's just, it wasn't the race. It's not like Winning's nice, but it's, it was more about coming back from yeah. such a horrible, horrible, scary time last year. And, yeah, it just made me feel like, okay, that's over. I, like, we can just forget about that, close the chapter. Yeah, and, for sure. And also because I'd never even come in the top 10 in Europe before, yeah. so it was a pretty big step up. Hopefully you're enjoying Matt's chat with Sarah Gigante, but I am here to tell you that this week's episode is also brought to you by Shimano's GRX Carbon Wheels. Shimano and its new GRX RX870 gravel carbon wheels are tested by Shimano's top gravel athletes and proven on the roads of Unbound. The new GRX carbon wheels are lightweight, responsive, and ready for any mixed surface that you Take them on. The 25 millimeter internal rim width is designed for tires ranging from 32 to 50 millimeters, and Shimano's cup and cone hub provides reliability no matter how far down the road list have traveled your adventure takes you. Thank you so much to Shimano for sponsoring this podcast. Now, let's get back to Matt and Sarah. How scary was that period for you with the heart stuff? Oh, really scary. I think for, you know, everyone likes their brain and their heart and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah getting the, yeah, the, the chest pain and everything and not knowing what it was and getting sent home from the hospitals a few times. Um, that was all super scary and being on the other side of the world. And I, I mean, I can speak like beginner, okay Spanish now, but back then I didn't know Spanish at all so it was not the nicest period I think it was a few days after your win in Spain that you um you had your concussion is that right was that at Zulia women's tour actually it was in the race that I won which is why I didn't realize what it was so one of the bike changes was because I crashed into um we were catching Mavi and Veronica, I think they were just ahead of us and they had a car. When I went to, I was leading the group of four chasing back on and I went to go around the car. You know how you like come through, mm. like a, in a convoy kind yeah, of, yeah. but it just like slammed on the brakes super, super suddenly. Like, luckily we were going kind of uphill. Well, like maybe, like, you know, like a gradual uphill. So I was going about 25 kilometers an hour, so not too fast, but. I did like smack right into the car, but at that point I was, you know, like in the front. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, okay, get back on. Yeah, yeah. And I remember Kristen Faulkner, she's not my teammate, but she's my roommate. And she was like, Sarah, you're all right. And I was just like, gotta get back on. Like, and I changed bikes and I didn't really think about it too much. I, I did think at one point I was like, oh, I asked someone in the group if my helmet was okay because I'd never thought to ask that before. But in this this time, I was like, oh, maybe I did hit my head. But I didn't really – I felt completely fine. And, like, after the race, like, I even did the little interview in Spanish. I felt fine. And I was just really excited. Yeah. But then 
I started to feel worse for the next couple of days and I thought maybe it's just because I didn't sleep well after I won. I was on my phone too much and everything, which I'm sure made it, everything way worse looking back. But then it was only, yeah, a couple of days later, I was like, gee, this headache is crazy. And I started to get, yeah, pretty bad. It was amazing. Just really opened my eyes to you have to be super, super careful with concussions because I was... I seemed so fine, and then I really wasn't. Like, I was lying down for quite a long time after that, like a few weeks before I could ride again um, and a, a couple more before I could start training properly. So, I mean, it was – I'm lucky I recovered completely fine, but it was my first concussion, and, yeah, now I know, um, yeah, what, what to look for, I guess. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's – yeah, I mean, I've definitely learned the last year, hearts and brains, super important, look after them. I think it was uh, almost three months before you got back to racing after that as well, wasn't it? So was that all because of the concussion building back after that? I know, it wasn't all because of the concussion. It was because um, our team didn't do that many races apart from the Tour and the Giro were in that period. So, of course, it's all hands on deck for... Uh, those massive tours. We were meant to do the Tour of Swiss, which looked super good, but I think we had, I wasn't the only one that was coming back from injury and everyone was at altitude getting ready for the Giro, so we didn't end up racing that. So that would have been good. It had a time trial and a mountaintop finish, Yeah. but hopefully next year. Yeah. Um, I, I know you really wanted to race. Excuse me. You really wanted to race the Tour de France Femme this year, and it was obviously an important race for the women's peloton. What was that like finding out that you missed out on on selection for that? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the biggest surprise. I think I need a lot more experience still and fitness as well. Um, so yeah, I plans changed, but. I mean, I still had so many races to look forward to. I was super, super excited for Ardesh, to be honest, and Romandy. So, I mean, yeah, it was a bummer, especially being the first one. Like, it would have been awesome to line up. But, I, I mean, it will be on next year and the year after that and the year after that. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd love to do it one day. You'll have plenty of chances, I'm sure. What was it like watching it from afar? Um, not only Anamique winning the thing, obviously, but the spectacle of the first women's tour? Actually, I think that was definitely, like, really, really nice being able to watch it just as a fan. I was, like, okay, I'm a bit of a procrastinator. Sometimes I procrastinate with my, like, everything. I'll Maybe I ride a bit later than I plan to. Even I love the riding, but, like, I don't know, I might leave a bit later. But I made sure to leave really early every single day so I could get back, sit on the couch, you know. I was, like, so excited. Um it was just amazing. It, it just felt like so special. And I was imagining if I was that excited, imagine how many other people around the world were all excited and all the little kids like watching and seeing the women race just like the men. And the racing was really good as well. But even just ignoring the racing, just, the, you know, like the fans on the side of the road and like what a big deal it was. And you know, like social media was flooded all about the Tour de France fam. And yeah. I thought, FX Lift, I thought that was crazily good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was lucky enough to get to go to the race um, to cover it for Cycling Tips and, and freewheeling. And um, I've never been to a race that felt like it was such a moment, like so significant, like you're actually part of 
something, you know? And did you get that sense watching it that it was the start of something big, like a start of a, you know, it'd been too long obviously before, taken too long to get to this point, but did you get the sense watching it that it was kind of like, okay, this is a defining moment? Yeah, for sure. It was like watching Paru Bay last year, but even better. And I thought it was really nice. They had um, a group of the women that rode the Tour de France in the past as well, because they, yeah, they used to have a women's one um, back in the day. And I thought it was really nice. They all were invited to come as well. So it was a real, you know, like a turning point, like, Hopefully everything will be, I can just imagine like how many new sponsors are getting interested in coming into the sport, new riders, like everything. It's amazing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, We've talked a bit about um, your injuries and illness and and stuff. And I feel like, you know, with things like you had your, your broken arms a few years ago and your flesh fell on crash last year and all these things, it feels like you've had more setbacks by age 22 than most people have in an entire career. I'm probably missing some stuff in there as well, but how how have you dealt with that, with the frustration of that and I guess getting, you know, getting back to racing after that each time? Do you feel like you've changed as a person? Do you feel like you've learned something about yourself as a person along the way? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, I, I feel definitely older <laughs> since last July. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was such a, a big deal that like I was like wow like oh okay <laughs> scary things can happen even you know when you're young and fit and healthy um but yeah in terms of all the other setbacks even like the concussion this year it was really scary but then I'm able to be like okay like life goes on I'll get back um especially after so long off the back I think that would have killed me if <laughs> like even when I break my um, leg last year in flesh alone then I was able to start riding really slowly on the trainer maybe a week later so I mean it wasn't ideal I broke my collarbone and elbow as well so it wasn't fun but yeah just the you know just the, when they the doctor told me I had to take six months off and like yeah I think that really gave me perspective and just knowing that I'd be able to race again and recover completely fine in the future. That's just, now I know that's the main thing. So I guess every step back, I'm like, oh, it's annoying, but mm. like, I'll be back. And that's the main thing. I'll yeah. be healthy again. With the six months off, was that with the heart issue? Was that after the flesh alone? That was after the heart issue. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done the Olympics. So at least course, yeah, I yeah. managed to fit that in between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. So, so next year, uh, you obviously missed nationals this year, you know, recovering from the heart stuff. I imagine nationals in the Aussie summer 2023 is going to be a big focus for you. Yeah, I hope so. I'm not sure what Movistar's plans are yet as to whether we're coming to Australia or not. Uh, I saw there's no Herald Sun tour, but the Kidal's Evans Grace Ocean Road race is on and the Tour Down Under will be world tour for us for the first yeah, time. Yeah. So I really, really hope they're coming. Um Otherwise, we do have team camp in January, I think, like we did this year, I think. So, I mean, plans are yet to be confirmed, but Aussie Nationals, I think that's my favourite race of the year. Yeah, yeah. I love Nationals, yeah. yeah. And obviously, with how disrupted the last few years have been for you, um, I'm guessing you're hoping the next year will be a more you know, hassle-free season for you? Yeah, I'm definitely hoping. I, I won't... Um, 
you know, bet on it. But <laughs> I hope so. Like, surely I've got all my bad luck out of the way. Next decade, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. What would you like to get out of next season? Yeah, more race days again. I'm going to make that my goal just because I think I need more experience. Like, racing in the European Peloton is totally different. And I think I'll get there. I just need to practice more. And I haven't been able to practice too much yet. What do you think you need to practice in particular? Are there skills that you can see that you know you need to work on or is it more just about spending time? Just time and confidence in the bunch. Like I know how to race in a bunch. I've been racing since I was a little kid. Just it's completely different to the Aussie racing. So, yeah, being able to follow my teammates through the peloton, maybe guide teammates <laughs> in my dreams like in the future, then, yeah, I just need to practice. Yeah. How is the racing different to Australia? Oh, in every way. It's When I got there, then I was like, oh, this is like a different sport. So, yeah, especially with the bunch size, with the women's pelotons here, I mean, they're definitely growing. But And we have a good field at nationals and everything. But it's certainly different to in Europe. We have, like, nearly all the races have more than 120 people. And I've never raced with 120 people in Australia. That's for sure. And then if you start thinking about like the Belgium courses with the cobbles, like the ones I started with this year, it's like wet cobbles in the rain, all flat and <laughs> definitely not like any Australian summer racing. That's for sure. Yeah. You talked about dreaming in the future of leading people through the bunch. What, what races are you most excited about? maybe not next year but into the future what are the ones that you'd love to win or do really well in mm, well I love really you know like tests of endurance so I think a tour would be super cool specifically the tour yep. <laughs> the Tour de France I think that would be incredible just to be able to race that I love time trailing and hill climbing so I think a long tour with lots of climbs and a couple time trails so yeah, the Tour de France hopefully would be a big goal. And I also, I love the Olympics. So maybe one day I can go back. Yeah, you've got a, got a few more chances coming up. 2024 Paris. I assume you'll be aiming for that one? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but I'm not sure what the courses are like. Also, um, is it, which one is Brisbane? 2032? Yep, yep. Yeah, I'm not going to be too old. It'll be 31. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> And in terms of next season, what does Movistar want from you? You know, you talked about wanting to learn more. Is that also what they're after from you or do they have more specific things they want to see you achieve? Yeah, I think um, being yeah, better in the bunch, stronger as well, more punchy. That was the goal this year as well, actually. So I've had to do a lot more. My training's completely changed. Um, more punchy efforts. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm the greatest sprinter yet. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> Lorena Weavers better watch out. <laughs> um, that's all the questions I had. Was there anything anything else you wanted to add? Anything that's on your mind at the moment? Anything you wanted to talk about, about your own racing or racing in general? Or, yeah, anything on your mind? No, I think that's covered a lot. Good job. <laughs> From Australian Indigenous languages all the way to me becoming the best sprinter in the world. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's my headline for the, uh, no, the article. No, <laughs> can we make sure that it's definitely a joke? <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Thanks so much for your time, Sarah. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.